The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Welcome back to another episode of Reaction Time. I'm Jacqueline Cordova, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Visser. This podcast is brought to you by our friends Fairway. Thanks to them, they continuously, you know, show up for us and support us every season. So we get to come on this podcast and talk every week. Thanks to them. So make sure to buy all your groceries from Fairway. Um... Post Cyhawk, <laughs> big weekend for uh, the sport of wrestling. All eyes were on Ames, Iowa. Um, I woke up that day, Ben. I don't know how you did, but my brain was like all eyes on wrestling. Even Saturday night, I was having a lot of fun watching Iowa State play Kansas State in the snow. But my, I still had like one ear on Twitter just following all of the wrestling news because I was just so excited. Um, I don't know how you were doing. How did you wake up on Sunday? Sunday, I completely forgot that there was NFL football on. Like I forgot <laughs> that that happened until today. When people are like, oh, yeah, they went toe-to-toe with the NFL on ESPN. It's like, oh, yeah, I suppose there were NFL games going on at that mm-hmm. time. So um, if you're wondering what my mental state was, it was very much of I no other sport exists right now. Like this is the thing that's happening today, and I don't care about anything else. Um, so for me, it was all about wrestling, and boy, was it a treat. I didn't obviously watch it on ESPN because I was at Hilton. Mm-hmm. Um, but from everything I've heard, apparently the ESPN broadcast was great by all accounts I've heard. Um, they did a really, really good job. And we expected that, right? They had a phenomenal broadcast team. ESPN always does really well in terms of production value when it's on the mothership. So great to hear that. And then what I think really made it special was the atmosphere in Hilton. Uh, you were on the floor. I was up in the um, media table, which is on the concourse between the lower bowl and the upper bowl. And from, I was sitting next to Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register and then Rob Gray from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And in the past, the Cyhawk dual meet in Hilton had always been kind of close to 50-50 in terms of fans from Iowa State and fans from Iowa. And during introductions and the first match, second match, as this kind of get going, we were talking and we're like, this sounds a lot like 70-30 or even maybe a little <laughs> bit more Iowa State fans. Um, so it was great to hear Hilton a very, very loud for wrestling and be very pro Iowa state for wrestling. Because there was a part of me that was concerned when it was announced as a sell, like maybe I was the one that scooped up those tickets. So There's going to be another 50, 50. There's going to be 7,500 Iowa state fans, 7,500 uh, Iowa fans, but no, it was probably pretty close to 70, 30, even maybe 75, 25 Iowa state fans. So um, atmosphere in Hilton was absolutely incredible. I'd love to know what you thought of it from the floor. Yeah, like you said, when I kind of took a second to look around me, the crowd was definitely way more Iowa State fans. I think in general, there were more Iowa State fans in front of me. I know a lot of the Iowa fans were kind of to my right, um, right above the, the what would be considered the Iowa Tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I definitely agree that the Iowa fans tried to get some go Hawks chants going here and there. And Iowa state fans just drowned them out even towards the end when Iowa kind of realized they were going to win as far as their fan base, they definitely still were not loud enough um, for that Iowa state crowd. So it was, like you said, it was a really fun crowd. It was a really fun energy. Um, It was really great to see how Iowa State fans stepped up. I really do think that it was Iowa State fans who scooped up those final tickets. I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of casual fans maybe were like, you know what, there's still tickets available. Like, why not? Um, If Iowa State fans have shown anything, it's that they show up and a duel meet on a Sunday at 2 p.m. is not going to be an issue compared to some of the other things they usually attend. So I will say that was pretty cool. That was um, really awesome to see that work out in Iowa State's favor. I can I think from all the pictures I took, it's pretty much Iowa State fans in the back, which doesn't happen no. <laughs> very very often for this duel. So pretty, pretty exciting. Um having ESPN there, I thought it was gonna be more chaotic, but it really wasn't. 
it really was not besides there was just like a lot more of us on the floor and i obviously had my little box it's so funny i uh i was kind of walking around the team bench area and some of the guys came up to me the iowa state wrestlers they were like how are you going to take pictures of us on the bench because espn had blocked off like majority of the space behind the media table on the floor, the scorers table. Um, that's where the main ESPN camera was if you weren't there. So that whole area is usually open. It's a space that I tend to hang out around during certain matches or during breaks just to get, you know, some more shots of the guys on the bench and some photos of guys coming out of the tunnel. So I thought it was funny that they were like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought they were funny for that, but no, I thought it was honestly an enjoyable day. I did not mind the extra people. It, it definitely makes the job more fun when you have a lot more going on. Um, but overall, good experience. I wish I could have listened to the broadcast. I heard a lot of really positive things about the team. It was always super great to be in the same room as Jordan Burroughs. Probably the only wrestling person who truly intimidates me, not because he's intimidating, because I think he's probably very used to people going up to him. But I just get so intimidated by him. But I did get a picture of him. There you go. So, but ultimately... Iowa won. They got the win in typical fashion. Um, not typical, oh, Iowa always wins fashion. Obviously, this makes it 19 straight now for them. Gosh dang. But I'm talking in typical brands fashion. They kind of switched it up on us with yep. the lineup, throwing Patrick Kennedy in at 174 and bumping Gabe Arnold up, which I think is ultimately what really did do it for them, other than a few other stuff that kind of hiccups that, worked against Iowa State and we can get into those but I just I don't know why I didn't think that the brands would find a way to trick us but they did and it's just like we're all playing chess and they're playing or what's the saying we're right? playing checkers they're, they're, playing, they're chess. playing chess my god they they secured the win 18 to 14 um that sucked. I won't lie. I, I'm actually pretty good at this point of keeping my own emotions in check. I don't really feel too much with a big win or a big loss. I just kind of go about my business, do the job. But, God, going into that 197 match, my, I felt pretty defeated. I won't lie. I was like, dang, this freaking yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah, you and the crowd did too. You could tell the air just kind of got sucked out of Hilton at 197. Um, that was one of the times where I would try to start a let's go Hawks chant. Didn't quite get off the ground, which <laughs> again, shot up to Hilton, but, um, you, you could hear it for a little bit and yeah, I mean, the brands brothers, they are famous slash infamous, depending on your perspective, um, in regard to having some last second lineup changes. Um, you think back to last year and Spencer Lee makes his debut. <laughs> um, so this is not a new thing for the brands, brother. It's not a new thing for the Cyhawk duel. And I think it's important to provide some perspective in regard to this, because I got some tweets and I think Jackie, you got some tweets about this mm -hmm. where I had one person say, um, this happens every year. An unranked Iowa wrestler will beat a top 10 Iowa state wrestler. And this is in regard to 184. So Will Feldkamp for Iowa state is a returning all American. Um, he was ranked, I believe number six. And he was wrestling an unranked Gabe Arnold, who is a true freshman. And the only reason Gabe Arnold is unranked is because this was his first match at 184. He wrestled uh, the last week at 174. And again, he beat an All-American, right? He beat Travis Whitlake, formerly of Oklahoma State, now at Oregon State. So he just beaten an All-American at 174 last week, bumps up to 184. So he's unranked because this is his first match at the weight and nobody knew he was going to be at 184. Mm -hmm. If Flow Wrestling, if Intermat, if Win, if any of these people who do rankings knew he was going to be at 84, he would have been ranked close to the top 10. And after this, I don't know where he's planning on settling in for the season, if it's going to be at 74, 84, or if he's going to retro this year. I don't know. But if he does wrestle this year, which if I wants to put their, less, their best lineup out there, he will. He'll be a top five wrestler. This is a guy similar to a David Carr uh, five years ago now, similar to a Spencer Lee. This is a guy, as soon as he steps on the mat, will be a top five wrestler and will contend for a national title. Like losing to Gabe Arnold, A, isn't that surprising, and B, is not shameful. Gabe Arnold is very, very, very good at wrestling. 
And if your takeaway after watching that Will Feldkamp and Gabe Arnold match was that Feldkamp fell short, I guess that's one way to look at it. But it's also not the whole truth because Gabe Arnold is the truth. Like that guy is going to be an absolute monster for Iowa for four to five more years. And that's just something as Iowa State fans, you're going to have to accept. Um, They're going to have a powerhouse at 184 or 174, wherever he falls into. And it's going to be really tough to beat him. So that's one where, yeah, that's tough. It's a tough situation for Iowa State. That's one you can't prepare for or expect because nobody did except for the Brands Brothers. Um, so that one's tough. And then you got some controversial things that happened throughout the match. Um, 141, 157, and then 174 wasn't controversial, but it was a mistake on the Iowa State coaching staff part. So I'll go in order there. 141, Anthony Echemendia was wrestling number one, Real Woods. Um, and credit to Anthony Echemendia, man. He, he went out there and he gave it everything he had against the number one guy in the country. Um, toward the end of that third period, they're in a scramble situation. Um, from what I understand, the broadcast team wanted the coaches to challenge because they thought that Anthony had um, Real Woods in a neutral danger position. So Real Woods' back was um, on the mat in a neutral position. So neither one had control. And when that happens, a ref counts to three. And after the three count, it was recorded as a takedown for the guy who is exposing the other wrestlers back to the mat. So the broadcast team from what I've seen seems to think that there was a three count. Um, Dresser did not challenge the call on the mat, which was no takedown. Uh, the two went to sudden victory where real woods did get a takedown and beat Anthony Echemendia. So a little bit of controversy there. Should there have been a takedown? Should there not have been in real time as I was watching it? I could have seen it either way. Like it's, it's kind of like the NFL catch rule, right? Where is that a takedown? Is it not? Is that a catch? Is it not the call on the mat? is going to be the most important thing to determine whether or not it is a takedown. And since the call on the mat was no takedown, I don't, I don't see a world where that would have been reversed. Um, I think I'm, and I don't think it was a wrong call either. Like if they would have called takedown, yes, that's a good call. If they didn't call takedown, which they didn't. Yes. Good call. I don't have a problem with that call really at all. I don't have a problem with just not challenging it. Um, it's just a tough situation. It's one of those things where review replay review can be great in certain instances, but this is one where it's not going to be super helpful just because you do need clear and indisputable evidence. And I'm not sure that you would have had that in this case. Um, and really similar thing for 157, right? That one, the rest reviewed on their own. Kevin Dresser didn't have to throw his challenge brick, but to set the scene here a little bit, um, Cody Chittum, the number one pound for pound recruit in the nation, former um, Iowa City wrestler. He spent a year in Iowa City. Um, was wrestling number two, Jared Franick, who Jackie and I both have strong opinions on in terms of his <laughs> style of wrestling. Yeah. Um, and typical Franick fashion, it was very close at the end because he doesn't do anything. And his 42 Chittum got around him with a split second left, dropped uh, Franick's butt to the mat as the clock hit zero. And it was just one of those things where you saw it in real time. It's like, oh man, that's going to be an impossible thing to call. The refs on the mat called no takedown. Time had expired. And they go to review it on their, again, on their own accord. The refs went to review it. And you could see the slow motion replay um, on the video board. And you could see the clock in the background. And it was literally instantaneous as Frannick's butt hit the mat, the clock hit zero. So it was one of those things, again, where if they called takedown, that call stands. If Since they didn't call takedown, the call is going to stand. And it's another situation where it could have gone absolutely either way. It's one of those where you hope Chittum in the future realizes that got to get going a little bit sooner. Like, and Anthony Etchemendia, he said this during availability today. He's like, I respected the heck out of real woods. Um, he's the number one guy in the country. He earned that respect. He deserves that respect. But now he knows he can open up a little bit sooner against him. If he does, the result might change. I think it's going to be the same thing with Cody Chittum. If you open up a little bit sooner against Jared Frannick, good things are going to happen mm -hmm. um, because Jared Frannick will not open up against you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think those are two matches. Yeah, it sucks to lose them. It absolutely does. I'm not going to deny that it doesn't. But there are things, A, to be learned, and B, this is not a situation where the refs were out to get Iowa State in any form or fashion, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Uh, and you get to 74 with MJ Gaetan, who on one hand lost the match himself. On the other hand, the coaching staff kind of helped him lose. Um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. So MJ Gaetan is a guy who is not afraid to roll around. He's not afraid to let a guy get in on his legs. And Patrick Kennedy, who made his season debut at 174, is a very good and technical wrestler. And when you have a very good and technical wrestler across from you, they're going to finish takedowns, especially in the first period when they're fresh. And that's what happened. Uh, MJ Gaetan dug himself a pretty good hole. I think he was down like, what, nine to three or something at one point in the match, early in the match. Um, credit to him, though, he dug himself out. Uh, it was 14 to 13 after his final takedown. And there was a few 10-ish, 15-ish seconds left in the match. And the coaching staff told him to ride it out. The coaching staff, unfortunately for them, misread the riding time. Uh, and they thought Gaetan had riding time point advantage, when in reality, it was counting down and Patrick Kennedy had the riding time advantage. So they knew as soon as the match was over that they made a huge mistake. Dresser owned it after the post-meet press conference, saying he's not going to sleep for days. He owned it again at today's availability on Tuesday, saying this was absolutely all my fault, MJ Gaetan probably who knows if he would have gotten another takedown, but at the pace he was wrestling, he probably would have, um, or definitely he would have had the opportunity to, and it's a tough situation for dresser, right? I mean, you're trying to put your athletes in the best position to win and you feel like you took a match away from them. So those, that match in particular was probably the hardest pill for dresser to swallow just because it was a coaching error. 1000%. Um, not on the end of the match was not on MJ Gaetan. The beginning mm -hmm. of the match was MJ cannot dig himself that deep of a hole. And there's no reason for him to dig himself that deep of a hole. He's too good of a wrestler for that. So, um, that's a, that's a match where it squalls, it falls squarely on both wrestler, both wrestler and coach shoulders where don't dig yourself that hole, but also you would hope the coaching staff would, um, be correct in their assessment of looking at the score. And unfortunately in that situation, they weren't in the heat of the moment. You're trying to make split second decisions with 10 seconds left in the match. So um, unfortunate error to make, but um, it's one that they did. And hopefully um, it doesn't come back to bite them later in the season. Somehow. I don't, I don't see a world where it would, right. It's just a, not just a dual meet, but it's just a dual <laughs> meet um, tournaments matter way more. Um, the NCAA tournament matters way more. The big 12 tournament matters way more. So, um, unfortunate situation, but one where you can grow and learn from. And then outside of those, obviously three semi-controversial matches, David Carr looked great. He beat major decision to top five guy gave him a bloody nose in the first five seconds with a double leg. That was awesome. Um, and David was super happy to that in front of Jordan Burroughs, Jordan Burroughs for those that don't know is famous for blast doubles. And David said during today's availability, he's like, hey, I had to do it against uh, or I had to do it with Jordan Burroughs in attendance. So that's fun. I love that from David, right? He's wrestling a top five guy and he's already pre-planning his moves to impress <laughs> guys that he looks up to. So um, that's fun. Uh, younger Bastida looked good. Casey Swiderski, I thought, looked phenomenal. We can mm -hmm. talk about him later as we talk about the Cliff Keen. Um, but I think Casey is he's taking leaps and bounds. So. Um, overall, Iowa State had opportunities. Um, they made some mistakes. Some things didn't go their way. But um, like Jackie said, 19 in a row, and what can you do? Yeah, I. you gave all the meat and potatoes of it, you know. <laughs> I think people just obviously walk out of it very discouraged. I think with wrestling, it's hard to come into it, especially when you are a casual fan or you're kind of getting into wrestling. I think it's difficult to walk out of that loss and maybe see some of the things that we kind of took away from it where on paper, I, you know, I would say just lost. They weren't the better team and, I'm glad that you kind of broke down all of that because I hope that fans can see that Iowa State very much controlled their destiny and it just freaking sucks to walk out of it knowing that they just kind of shot themselves in the foot there a little bit. And I want to read a tweet that Jordan Burroughs said out. I don't know if you saw it, Ben. He did um, 
he did a quick little thread of his five takeaways from the duel. And in one of them, he said, ISU staff had three major brain farts tonight that cost them the duel. They held on to their challenges tighter than a hipster's jeans. <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> I don't have, honestly, I thought about this after the duel. I was like, we're going to talk about this on the podcast. What, what do I want to say about it? And I got the most questions about Anthony's match. Mm-hmm. And I understand the logic. I know a lot of people were like, why not just throw it out anyways? Like, what do you have to lose? And I get it. I get that mentality. I, I think in general, I lean that way too. It's the Cyhawk. Crazier things are going to happen. Just challenge it. But it is what it is. It really is what it is. And my biggest takeaway from that 141 match is that Anthony will be just fine. He is so much more talented than I thought. And after listening to everything he said in today's availability, I am so confident in how he's going to go up against guys because not only did he say he respects real woods because he's the number one guy in the country and real woods has proved that we said that in the preview, like it was without a doubt, one of the matches I would definitely had a little more, in their favor because real woods is so good but anthony did exactly what i thought that match was slow like real woods never necessarily had like this big crazy momentum over anthony which i think is very promising for anthony's future and 174 is what it is i think it sucks because i know mj clearly was very ready for gabe arnold but again it's one of those where why are we surprised the brands did this <laughs> why because <laughs> i was but i don't know why <laughs> and so but i'll give you this in the whole duel <laughs> iowa had 12 stall calls to iowa state's zero <laughs> And Iowa State did win the takedown battle. It was 15 to 11. So 15 takedowns for Iowa State, 11 takedowns for Iowa. So I think those are promising things. Obviously, they don't make you feel better because screw who got the most takedowns at the end of the day if Iowa still won. But I think those are still kind of few promising things you can hang on to and I'm excited to see how Chittum continues on. If I have one more Iowa person tweet at me that Jared Frannick is the number two person in the country because he won Big 12s last year and because he did X, Y, Z, I might stab myself and them <laughs> because I've had enough. I've watched Jared Frannick his entire career, okay? And I'll say it on this podcast because I know – Iowa State fans will appreciate me for it. But so many of those Iowa fans probably didn't even know who the heck Jared Frannick was. They had before. no idea who he was. They didn't give two about him, all right? <laughs> Until the brands offered him clearly a hefty payday to make his way to Iowa City. And that's fine. No freaking judgment. But I've had enough. <laughs> yep. I, had to, I had to mute my thread because it was like... I was fine with the hate I was getting for saying for questioning Jared Frannick's ranking. <laughs> I was just tired of the people reiterating his resume to me as if I haven't had to sit through his career because like David used to wrestle him mm -hmm. and he did the same thing. He just hung on David's legs, yep. but David's too nice. And David would never talk trash about about Frannick, but I know that it wasn't his favorite person to wrestle because there was just never any action. Nope. So, yeah, no, I, I think Iowa fans have a little bit confused that just because we don't like the way he wrestles doesn't mean we don't recognize that he's not a good wrestler, right? right. He is ranked number two. He did win the Big 12. <laughs> he is an All-American. I will give you all of that. But it is also, watching him wrestle is like watching paint dry. It is brutal, and it is incredibly boring. There's a reason, like Jackie said, Iowa was called for 12 stall calls, and Iowa State was called for zero. Mm -hmm. And it's because of guys like Frannick, we don't do anything and it's it is what it is and just for casual fans who may not know when jackie says that frannick got a hefty payday he got a hefty payday so there was a report in the offseason that david carr was offered seven figures to go to a different school i won't say what school that was but he was offered seven figures to go to another school um there is a report out there that michigan 
paid $750,000 for four wrestlers. So like, I think there's some casual fans out there who don't understand the money that's in wrestling right now. Derek Brannick was paid a lot of money to go to Iowa. Um, so, and I'm, I would bet that Chittum was paid quite a bit of money to come to Iowa state too. Um, he's not going to, the number one recruit in the nation is not going to do things for free anymore. So it's one of those things where I like Iowa state's long-term investment in Chittum more than I like Iowa's long-term investment in Frannick. Same. Um, I will say that very <laughs> bluntly. Um, it's just one of those things where if this match gets wrestled again in March, I think there's a different result. <laughs> I you don't... know what? I hope it does. Me too. I hope it does because I need Chittum to go in there and wreck this guy so I can go back and pick fights with Iowa fans <laughs> who pick fights with me. So, but anyway. One more point. Sorry, one more point. Um, okay. Because we're talking about challenges and stuff going way <laughs> mm-hmm. in reverse. Um, people upset about dresser not challenging at 141. Coaches mm-hmm. only get one challenge in the entire dual meet. Oh, thank right? you for bringing this up. So, um, if he loses that challenge at 141, which I believe he would have, I believe that call would have stand, mm-hmm. would have stood. Then he doesn't have a challenge brick for the rest of the dual meet if a more obvious blunder happens. Um, now I think this is something where a rule tweak might be in order in future years where, Hey, for maybe sure. you get two challenges. One for the lower weights, one for the upper weights. I don't know. Crazy idea. But um, yeah, you only get one. So to blow it on the 141 match on a call that really, truly could have gone either way, I think it's fair. Like, let's say at 184, um, Will Feldkamp does find a way to get Gabe Arnold on the mat. It's a close situation. It looks like he gets a takedown. The refs don't call it. Throw the challenge brick then and see if you can't get that reversed. Um so yeah, you only get one challenge. If you lose it, it's done. If you do win it, you do get another one, but I think you only get two total as well. So uh, if you do win the first one, it's just a situation where the rule challenges aren't, aren't new in wrestling, but I think there is still room for improvement if they want to look into it. For sure. I'm glad you brought that up because I was asked how many um, people get or coaches get. So yep, it's one, a- one per dual meet. There's a lot to navigate, right? So, but that's why wrestling's never boring. Hardly. I was going to yep. say something. I'm saying let's try frantic wrestling. But whatever. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Let's talk about Evan Frost, Big 12 Wrestler of the Week. That's who I want to talk about. Because, Evan. yes, Evan Frost, because what the heck? I. We've obviously talked about him and his brother a lot. We've talked about how good they're going to be. The team has told us how much we just don't truly know about them. And then Evan Frost comes in. I'm feeling low after Kaisen Tarakina loses. If you have any big, big commentary on that, we can definitely do that. Kaisen lost to Drake Ayala. I think he was pretty evenly matched. Mm-hmm. I think he could have won. He just, I think he, he just simply didn't try hard enough. And that it, it, it they didn't open up. Yeah. But then Evan Frost comes in and he takes down Brody Teske, who's ranked number eight. He beats him eight to one. What he was four seconds away from a major decision. <laughs> what four seconds of writing time. <laughs> Hugely impressive. That was one that I definitely did not expect. Um, I thought it could be close because just because the Frost brothers are so stingy and so hard nosed, but, and it was, it was super close. And then in the third period, Evan Frost hits a nice little misdirection, right? he fakes to one leg, gets to the other, um, takes Teske down really clean. It was like, Oh boy, that was something special right there. Because Teske's a guy who likes to scramble. He'll roll around on the mat a little bit. So to take him down clean is no small feat. Um, so that was beautiful. And then it's like, all right, he's leading three to or four to one at that point. Just keep riding him, see if he can't finish the match on top. But he wasn't just thinking about finishing the match on top. This guy collects a wrist and goes for a tilt. I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and he gets a four count, four point near fall, and literally 56 seconds of riding time as the horn blows to finish the match. If you'd have gotten that takedown four seconds earlier, that becomes a major decision nine to one. It would not have made a difference in the grand scheme of things, unfortunately, but for Evan Frost to go out there and to essentially major decision, a top 10 guy, 
Man, David Carr said it today. He's like, I tried to warn you guys. These Frost Brothers are a different kind of animal. So um, it was fun to see that bore out in competition. I want you guys to know that you're going to only be listening to this because I'm sick and look like a trash bag. But Ben just <laughs> recited all of that to you based on memory. He does not have notes, I don't think, written in nope. front of him. He's not rewatching it. You just basically retold us the match just from memory. That's how good it was. (laughs) It was a great match. (laughs) He is, I think, becoming one of my favorite spots on the lineup just because it's not like we're underestimating him at all. He's just young, you know, so it's just one of those where it's like, we know you're good, but we know there's growing pains with being a freshman in a starting lineup for a D1 program. And Evan is just comfortable. He's owning it. He's still... I don't even think he's shy. I think he's just very short because in his interviews, he just doesn't have a lot to say. You know, he just has like a quick answer for you. So I'm excited if maybe he'll like open up more as time goes on. Maybe it's just definitely not um, used to being interviewed, but I'm excited to see where he goes and how far he can go because I mean, if he can have that type of performance in that type of environment in Hilton, that he's obviously he's not used to it. And this type of environment in Hilton isn't going to necessarily happen again anytime soon. We might get close to it, but to be able to perform like that and stay so poised in such a crazy, chaotic environment only makes me so much more excited to see what the heck he's going to do come next semester. Mm -hmm. So but I mean, even just this weekend, um, I don't even, I should know the official dates of the Cliff Keen, but we'll get into that here soon. But I'm just excited to see how someone like Evan can perform at Cliff Keen, where it's going to be that type of rapid pace, like match after match type of environment that you get in March that now he's going to get to feel out after a match that he just had in a Cyhawk a week later. So definitely a shining spot in the roster and very exciting. Cause he's very young, you know, we'll have plenty of years of him on that Iowa state roster. So, but any last takeaways that you want to hit on in terms of the Cyhawk before we kind of look ahead to Cliff Keen? Uh, I don't think so. Casey Swiderski be the only one just because he did face number nine, yeah. Victor Vinovich and he took it to him. I mean, plain and simple, two takedowns to none. He feels he could open up more. I probably agree with him. Um, but he looked solid that whole time too. It was, he was never threatened by Victor. I'll say that it was a pretty clear and decisive win for Swarovski, which was great to see because Dresser had talked about the time between he lost to Anthony Echemendia during the wrestle offs and the Wisconsin duel. Those are the best three weeks of practice he had ever seen from Casey. And to see that bore out over the Wisconsin and the Iowa duel to have that proven out on the mat, um, is satisfying for the coaching staff and it's satisfying for fans because this is a guy that we've heard a lot about. Mm-hmm. And to see some of that, and we saw it in March again, right? We saw it toward the end of March, uh, became a round of 12 wrestler, one match away from an All-American. To see that constant, steady improvement from a fiery wrestler who's getting himself more under control and getting himself more mature is uh, really fun to watch because he's a guy who can and I think probably will make a lot of noise both at Cliff Keen and in March. Yeah, I was very impressed with him, especially just to really secure that match for himself in the first period. It's like the cliche, the good guys win in the first period or whatever it is. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just good to see him be dominant right off the bat instead of kind of waiting it out and give or take. Sometimes that works. Um, and that that's a strategy you should take occasionally, depending who your opponent is. But Casey looked good. I, you know, he felt good to be able to bounce back after not beating real woods last season. And I honestly coach, like you said, coach has been telling us that he's really grown up a lot. He's matured a lot. He's really improved in the last few weeks. Like just maturity wise, he's really come a long way. And I didn't fully buy into it. Like I, I believe Mm -hmm. coach when he says it, but there's a difference in really seeing it. And just the way Casey spoke post duel, I think said a lot. He was so poised in his answers. He was, he gave great answers to the questions he was asked. He spoke highly of his team. He spoke like a team leader. So I thought it was funny that when you asked coach today in availability about Casey as a leader, he was like, oh, well, he's actually kind of a 
quiet leader, a lead by example, which I could see. Mm-hmm. But just the way Casey spoke about his team in post-duel immediately after such a sour taste in their mouths, I thought said a lot about him and his character. He very much went into it with the mentality like, oh, this is it's just a duel whatever i think is the words that he used and said like we're gonna we're gonna go win a team title like we're gonna be fine which is great um something i said to rob after i said iowa state does a good job of getting guys who are are good leaders david's a fantastic example of that he's a great spokesperson for the program for the university but they don't often get the chirpy guys they don't get the guys who are you know just mad talking crap in these interviews and Casey does that. And I love that. That's what I love about wrestlers. I love the guys that do that. And Casey did it in a tasteful way in a way that it, it doesn't come off wrong. It doesn't, he didn't even do it in a way to like sit and hate on Iowa. I think he genuinely was just like, we lost the dual meet. We need to keep moving forward. So that was fun. I'm glad you did bring up Casey. Cause I, I forgot we hadn't talked about that yet. I really loved that. I'm going to clip, the stuff that Casey said and shared on Twitter so other people can see it. Cause yeah, great answers from him. Um, really good to see, see it in the flesh. So, <laughs> but as always wrestling keeps moving on. We're reaching that period of the schedule where before we jump into big 12 action, the team is going to hit the road. They're headed to Vegas for the cliff Keen invitational, which is absolutely stacked. There are so many good wrestlers going. Iowa State's going to get a true taste of what March is going to look like. And this is going to be a really, really good opportunity for Dresser to get his guys really ironed out for who he wants to be his true starting 10 going into January, right? So, Ben, kind of talk us through your thoughts on this Cliff Keen and what we hope to see from the Cyclones. Yeah, I was talking with... uh... Andy, Iowa State Wrestling's SID Sports Information Director, about the Cliff Keen. And it is, without a doubt, the best in-season tournament in the nation. It is the most like NCAAs. It has the best talent uh, attending it. And we were saying, like, if you make the or if you make the semifinals of Cliff Keen, there's a decent chance that if you're wrestling NCAAs, that's who you're wrestling in an All-America match. That's who you're wrestling in potentially an NCAA semifinals match, a quarterfinals match. This is a tournament where the best programs come out to play. Like just to give you a little bit of an example, you have Nebraska, Cornell, Iowa state, Virginia tech, Ohio state, NC state, Arizona state, Michigan, Oklahoma state. So it's you, there are multiple, multiple top 10 teams, probably six top 10 teams at this uh, tournament. And every guy at every rate at every weight has a top five guy, every single one up and down. So at bare minimum, the the best guy you could face is number five. And a lot of guys have number one guy at their weight. So like if you look at 125, it's Matt Ramos, the guy who beat Spencer Lee last year at 125. And you have Michael Diagostino of Michigan, who is an All-American. And it's just, it's up and down. It's an incredible lineup. And it's going to, the Iowa dual meet tested Iowa, Iowa State's, um, metal in terms of a dual meet this will test iowa state's metal in terms of what's it look like come march because there's no there's no way to run from any of it It, they're all it's all tough so we can go weight by weight if we want to but let's just say that every guy's got their work cut out for him even a guy like david carr we'll start there um he's the number one seed for pre-seed uh just because missouri's keegan o'toole isn't there but then number two seed is Cam Amin from Michigan, who is ranked number three. And then you have Isaac, I can't pronounce his last name, Olgenik from Oklahoma State, who is, I think, mm-hmm. the four or five seed. David Carr, excluding himself, has five other top ten guys at his weight at Cliff Keen. So there are six total top ten guys at Cliff Keen at 165, which is insane. Um, younger Bastida, Jackie and I have been talking about this for a long, long time. What's he do against a guy like Wyatt Hendrickson? Well, good news. Wyatt Hendrickson and Air Force are at Cliff Keen. Uh, Wyatt's number one seed, Younger's the number three seed. If they meet, I'd love to see him meet. What's that match look like? 
Um, so this is the caliber of wrestler that you're facing. You're getting number one seeds, you're getting number two seeds, um, and you're getting a ton of all Americans. I need to understand <laughs> how the heck is Dayton fix? How's he still in college? Still in college. What is he seventh year now? Gotta be. He's on that <laughs> Willie Nicholas track. So Evan Frost, who is a pre-seed at number three, has Dayton Fix. That is interesting. Dayton Fix has quite literally been been in college forever. Super talented. <laughs> Very talented. Um, I have that has been one of my he's definitely one of the top wrestlers I've been excited to see in person um at Big 12s. But my God, at some point, aren't you tired? I'd be tired. Aren't you tired and like I feel like he was in college before Roman Bravo Young of Penn State. And now Roman Bravo Young, I'm pretty sure he's graduated and Dayton Fix is still hanging around. So I I think he took an Olympic redshirt year at one point, Dayton Fix did. So I like that might did. be part of it. But still, my gosh, guy, it's like it's at some point, don't you want to move on with your life? But I guess when you're preseed number one at Cliff Keen, you still keep doing it. Right. I don't think we have to go weight by weight, but I'll I'll tell you I'll ask you this. Who would you say you're looking forward to the most if you can't say, you know, David Carr? Obviously, we're all excited for David Carr. And I almost want to tell you, you can't say younger. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I already talked about younger, so I'll, I'll avoid both of those. Okay. Um, for me, it's probably two guys we've talked about and Casey Swiderski and Cody Chittum. So yeah. Cody Chittum is pre-seed number 11, which is low, just to be quite blunt about it. But he's got Nebraska's Peyton Robb, who I believe is number one or number two right now. He's got Ja'Cory Teamer from Arizona State, who is a top three wrestler. He's got Bryce Andonian from Virginia Tech, who is an incredibly funky wrestler. Talk about a guy who rolls around on the mat. That guy will twist and turn in ways that you've never seen. If Bryce Andonian and Cody Chittum wrestle, protect your knees. Like, even if you're watching the college, <laughs> like, your knees might be in danger because their knees definitely are. Um, you got Will Lewin from Michigan, who's a top five wrestler. Ed Scott from NC State, who has also been around forever and is a top 10 wrestler. So uh, Cody Chittum's got a really tough bracket. And if he can cement himself as a top, really, I can see him finishing the top six. But if he can finish in the top four, top three, that's going to do wonders for Iowa State. I wouldn't expect that. I do think um, he's going to have some more learning matches to go before he starts really getting comfortable. But uh, this could go a long way to determining what Cody Chittum's future looks like um, come March. And I think if anything else, it's going to give him a really good feel for a lot of different styles, right? Because Ja'Cory Timir is one of those guys that is uber athletic. How does Cody Chittum handle that? Obviously, I mentioned Bryce Andonian and his funk. How does he handle that? So that's what I'm looking forward to. And then at 149, Casey Swiderski, who we just got done singing his praises for, is a number nine pre-seed, which I think is very, very low. I think Casey Rudersky is a much more proven entity than Cody Chittum is. Cody's, I can understand. I think it's wrong, but I can understand why he's 11 pre-seed. Casey's, I think, is just flat out wrong. And I'm not sure Casey's a guy who needs a chip on his shoulder. But if he wants <laughs> one, he can have one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't, I think this is, it's a little bit laughable to me. Um, he's ranked behind guys like uh, Quinn Kinner from Ryder, who I've never heard of. He's ranked behind Ethan Miller from Maryland, who I've never heard of. He's ranked behind Chance Lamer from Cal Poly, who I've never heard of. Um, it takes until number four for a guy for me that I've heard of. So this is one where Casey Swiderski, round of 12 guy last year at NCAAs. Mm -hmm. Let's finish top four at this thing. Let's go out there and prove that you are a real contender at 149. And really, I... The number two seed is Kyle Parko from Arizona State, who Panero Johnson almost beat last year in the dual meet. So why can't Casey Swiderski finish number one or number two? I don't know. Um, I think this is a chance for Casey Swiderski. If he wants a chip, he can have one because I think he is severely underseated in this weight. I think if I had to give you two, kind of like you did, I'm looking at 125 with Kaisen Tarakina and 174 with MJ Gaetan. And I look at them, number one, Kaisen, because I think we saw him revert to old ways immediately with the Cyhawk. And that just 
honestly it pisses me off (laughs) it's just one of those where like excuse me where we said right it it, like it all goes back to how you brought up Derek St. John saying like Kaisen doesn't know how good he can be and I just I don't know what it is that's holding him back because I think he has enough like wrestler arrogance to him that should put propel him to want to win we saw that in his matchup against Wisconsin but then he kind of lost it when he went into the Iowa match and I don't know why and I don't know if it's because you're just not paying enough attention in the small details it takes to prepare for matches outside of your practice with coach or or what but you don't have much time to score around when you have a full two days of just being grinded into the ground. Right. So I really want to see how he responds to the first tournament of the season. And it's not an easy tournament for him because Spencer Lee leaving didn't necessarily like clean slate for the weight class. So I really want to see him do well. I want to see him just turn it around. Um, it's just like we watch you be out for an entire season and he hated it and it sucked, but it's just like, what good is it if you're not really truly fighting for it? Like Kyson has so much talent and he's just like not utilizing it. And I really like Kyson, but I just really want to see him truly go for it and really hone it. And we just didn't really see that. And then with 174, I only really pick him because I like MJ. I think he's he's still a young guy who has a lot of potential, and I want to see him be tested. Again, it's the same kind of logic of it's a two-day grind. You're going up against some of the best in the country. How do you respond? And I want to see Kyson respond in terms of are you going to flip the switch that keeps holding you back, and I want to see how MJ responds from a young guy perspective. I want to see how he responds now not on a red shirt. Like this is this is your time to shine. So I want to see how those two do. That's kind of where I'm looking, and, and of course – by default, of course, I want the stars to align and give me younger and Wyatt. Just please, please. It's what I want. <laughs> and it's good to have it now. It's good to feel it now because coach kind of touched on this at availability about how, um, right. Like younger needing to really, I'm not even going to try and I'm paraphrasing based on how I listen. Like I said, I've been sick the past two days so i was not at availability ben you were there so you got to hear him answer it in person but he kind of touched on younger and you know he is a smaller heavyweight and i think this is a really big advantage for younger because even if he doesn't necessarily do his best this weekend at least he can walk out of it knowing what it felt like to wrestle those guys and utilize it to become even better i don't necessarily think younger's going to crumble this week um, it's defe- December 1st and 2nd when they'll be wrestling. But I just think this is a really good opportunity for someone like him who has something like weight to think about when it comes to his opponents in a way that nobody else does. Cause although younger gets to eat and he has like no restrictions in terms of like stay within these certain confines, he still has this disadvantage. I think that we haven't really touched on enough because he hasn't really had to deal with it yet. But like why why Hendrickson is huge. Yeah. His, He's like six five, six six, and he has the full two eighty five. <laughs> like that's tough. Like it younger might be strong, but what are you gonna do if Wyatt's just flopped on top of you and he's trying to rack up his riding time? So I think that'll be interesting. I think that's another thing that I'll definitely like to see from younger is see him really challenged by these top guys in the country who definitely have a weight advantage on him. It's gonna be a hard a hard um I don't know, hurdle. We'll see. It might not even be a hurdle for him. Younger's wrestler arrogance has said, I don't care. I'm built for this. So I would love for him to actually feel it because it's different to be able to say it and truly just sit and be confident in it and then actually be in the ring with them. So I'm excited. I feel like for a second there, tournaments weren't necessarily, I don't know. I feel like maybe even two years ago, would you say? It didn't feel like there was too many teams going to the same tournament at once so it you just didn't have top programs all at the same tournament i agree with that so this is gonna be fun i'm excited it'll be a good time so like i said they're gonna go to the cliff keen 
um, and that will be December 1st and 2nd. Um, and then after that, <coughs> my throat is dry. They'll go to collegiate duels where they're going to face Pittsburgh, Little Rock and Cornell. And that kind of does it for a tournament and then a dual tournament. And then we'll be back in action. Uh, we'll kick off big 12 action with Arizona state January 6th. So Crazy I enough. But I think they're technically still Pac-12 this year. Are they? Okay, so not this season, but next season. Well, yeah. Future, future Big, Big 12, 12 opponent. Yep. yep. Arizona State. So I wish we were making that road trip. Get a That'd break of the break of the winter. But yeah, it's there's plenty of wrestling left. Um, Sam Skyler, he told me he competes December 15th, I believe it was. So a lot of fun stuff. Um the Cyclones won't be back in Hilton till about towards the end of January, I believe it is. But plenty of wrestling. Ben and I will, as usual, be pushing out updates on Twitter, sharing out all the stuff the team puts out as they're on the road, and we'll just keep moving along. We're we're literally just getting into the thick of it. Is what's always crazy when we get done with the Cyhawk is that so much goes in, so much mental goes into the Cyhawk and then you get done and you just got to take the loss and move on. So any final thoughts, Ben? No, that we're starting, like Jackie said, we're starting to get into the, the fun part of the year. These NCAAs and tournaments are happening. You're getting ready to start second semester and second semester is when you start ramping up for March. So um, exciting times coming up. Now I'm just going to have to like try and get myself to stay focused and not immediately have like starry eyes on the Missouri duel. Not because I want the season to end, not because I don't care about like you and I or the Oklahoma, Oklahoma state duels. I care about all of those deeply. I'm just so excited to see this duel in person. <laughs> it's going to be fun. So um, anyways, as always, thanks for tuning in guys. Follow us along on Twitter. Um, we had a lot of people tweeting questions at us, which is great. I had like millions of DMs with questions, which is always great. I love being able to, you know, keep helping grow the sport however we can. So as always, shout out to Fairway. Appreciate all the support every season. And yeah, we'll, we'll be back whenever that is. I don't know when it's going to be. We'll, we'll tweet it. I don't know why I'm ending the podcast like that. Thanks for listening, guys.